This is a production of New Roots Radio. To hear more of our programs, or to find out what we're all about, check us out online at www.newrootsradio.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter under the same name. A lot of us like to put a hyphen in our identity. We're Irish-Canadian, Greek-Canadian, Ukrainian-Canadian. For some of us, it's a simple conceit, a little bit of bling in our name. For others, it holds deep meaning. But how do you do it? How do you maintain two cultures at the same time? Do you keep one private, like a secret identity? Do you need a phone booth to slip into costume? Do you ever mix up the you that's supposed to be on right now? Today on New Roots Radio, we'll we'll delve into the life of the hyphenated Canadian. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody, and welcome to New Roots Radio. I'm your host, Conrad Fox. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm looking out the window right now, and I I can't believe what I'm seeing. It's sun. It's blue sky. Could this be Halifax? Well, that's sort of the theme that's going to run through today's show as we look at what it means to be a hyphenated Canadian here in Halifax. What is Halifax? We'll be asking ourselves that, and we'll be, uh, we'll be thrown off just a little bit as we head to a multicultural festival where it feels a little bit more like Lebanon than it actually does feel like Halifax. We'll have an exclusive interview with uh, the writer Neil Basundath as he tells us that we should probably stop worrying about where we're from and just enjoy the culture that we have right now. And in our, guests, in our, in our studio right now, we have three guests who are itching to tell us what it means to be a hyphenated Haligonian. But first of all, There's no better place to explore the hyphen than at a multicultural festival. These ethnic-themed street parties pop up all across Canada in the summertime. They're practically the engine that drives the whole notion that we can have more than one identity here. First, second, and third-generation immigrants declare to the rest of us that they're proud of their culture. And for a few short days, the rest of us try, unsuccessfully, to be like them. Well, Halifax's Lebanese community got a jump on the other ethnicities last weekend when it held the sixth annual Cedar Festival out in Fairview. New Roots Radio reporter Natasha Lipney spent some time hanging out there. Picture this. Every few steps, eager hands go out for hugs and handshakes. Everybody is family here, or at least they act like it. They shout greetings above the din of boombox music and swap stories over the sound of sizzling food. Who doesn't get chatty when their stomach's full? This can't be Halifax. Festival organizer Michael Kavalin helps us get our bearings. And it's kind of downtown Beirut and it's lined with cafes and it's lined with busy, busy stores and it's like a market slash chic cafe kind of feel. And that's what we try to do here. So as you come up the hill, you know, you're going to pass various different things. You pass, we're calling the Beirut Cafe here. You're going to pass uh, the live Baalbek Pavilion with the live entertainment you can hear behind me right now. Beirut, parking lot of Fairview's Our Lady of Lebanon Church, not quite the same thing. But it's close enough to get people here moving. The church hall comes alive as traditional Lebanese dance troops take to the stage. Audience members echo the shouts of the performers as they twirl in jingling outfits of turquoise and fuchsia. Layered over American apparel leggings and tank tops for comfort, of course. Had a little bit of a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> yeah, what happened there? Well, we were pinning these up and uh, they came undone on stage. I guess hyphenating Lebanon in Canada doesn't work well with costumes. 
but dancers Michelle Sala and Anthony Diane don't mind the mix. Really, our community has done such a good job at just kind of combining our Lebanese and Canadian culture that for a lot of us, we kind of almost don't differentiate between them anymore. Um, you can also see in our, even our dances, a lot of our elements are much more modern and contemporary than would be considered classical Lebanese dance. A lot of, uh, I know a lot of my own friends are, uh, <laughs> one thing they notice about our community is that we, uh, we're very close. So I think that's something that differentiates us from a lot of the other people, and that's kind of what the hyphen means to me. It's just We have like a huge community, and it, like they're all considered family to us. The festival boasts the theme of Lebanese with a Canadian twist. But is combining cultures really that easy? To find out, myself and New Roots Radio producer Conrad Fox tested out our Lebanese sides. What is it called? It's called Zalghuta, Zalghuta. What is it? It's like you do things with your tongue, like you flip it. Yeah, no. You flip it, you make it. Yeah, you do it, try it. the tongue. You have to do it with the tongue. Flip the tongue, yeah. What does it mean? It's called Zalhuta. That means you're so happy, like the mood is good. You had a great meal, and now you want to explore like, your feeling. That's all it is. What would be the Canadian equivalent? You have to explain that to a Canadian who never heard that. What there's nothing in here like that, sorry. It's our own thing. It's our Lebanese culture. Ah, uh, well, not all of us are cut out for tongue-flipping cries of joy. At least we aren't the only non-Lebanese people here. This is my husband, Mike, our daughter, Faith, and our son, Nathan. And what brought you out here today? Oh, do you know what? We always like supporting different uh, cultures within our community. So, um, And the Lebanese community especially is one of our favorite cultures to attend. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. Do you know what? We, we love the music. It's the food and the dancing. Like, yeah. I mean, the two combined, it's a great time for pretty much anyone who comes down. So. The food does look good. There's no denying it. I was just curious what you're making today. We're making manouche, which is a Lebanese breakfast, and it's made out of dough, and there is za'atar on it. And we can dress it with uh, tomato and olives and mint, and with uh, yogurt, like uh, cream cheese. And it's really, really delicious. It's lovely. You have to have one. I like to mention one important thing to me, and I'm sure it's important to so many Lebanese people, that our flag is very similar to Canadian flag. The only thing different, and instead the maple leaf in the, in the middle, we have the cedar in the middle. The red and the green, this is the only thing, and that's why we call it Cedar Festival. So so many things common between Lebanon and Canada. And not just Canada, apparently. Life, men, and women perform a trance-inducing martial art. It's called capoeira. If you're thinking, wait, that doesn't sound Lebanese, then you're right. It's an African transplant from Brazil with music sung in Portuguese. It's one of a few non-Lebanese performances at the Cedar Festival. Michael Kavlin says when he was a child, these differences were not always appreciated. Uh, when we went to school, you know, we would have sandwiches like this with uh, with the chicken in it and, and garlic and tabbouleh in it. And our friends would have peanut butter and jelly. And, you know, I mean, you think, okay, it's just lunch, but you get teased for it. And, and we're really fortunate. We did things like this because I see in our youth today, I see it in the kids you'll see around here and the ones yelling behind me right now even. These guys are proud to be Lebanese. I used to hide it growing up. Not anymore. Still, he isn't completely free from dealing with comments like these. A lot of a lot of you guys have lived here for the last yeah. 15, 20 years, exactly. but a lot of you guys 
and same with Africa. Like they come from your country now and they come over here as immigrants. Yeah. To well, come to our schools to do all that. Well, so, we don't. We didn't come here to go to your schools or anything like that, right? I mean, we come. Get, we're Canadian. We live here, and we're happy to be Canadian. But again, we don't want to forget where we came from either. No. And that's that's why we have festivals like this. Because yes. I mean, there's no. You know, Canadian culture isn't one thing. Canadian culture is a mosaic of many other cultures. the Amoya Cultural Diversity Drummers. They play in an African style with members from Africa, Puerto Rico, and Dartmouth. Another contribution to Michael Kabelin's cultural mosaic. It's easy enough to get this mixed with song and dance at an event, but when I leave the festival and step onto Joseph Howe Drive, the question becomes, how does the hyphen play into everyday life in Halifax? I attended a Lebanese festival. Well, yes, indeed. How does daily life of the hyphen play into just your, your, your regular life here in Halifax? We've heard that it's okay. It's okay to go into a festival and let your hair down and, and be somebody else. But when you step out onto, uh, onto the streets, walk through the Walmart, walk down Spring Garden Road, uh, what changes then? And to help me answer that question, I've got three people from, from Halifax, but also from all over the world here to join us. Uh, I'm joined by Shiva Norpana. Hi, Shiva. How are you? Hi. Thank you so much for coming. Can you tell people where, well, I mean, what do I say? Where you're from, where you were born, where you, where you see yourself? Well, I, I was born in Iran, and, but I grew up in Britain. I returned to Iran and I finished my university education there. My kids were born there. We immigrated to Canada in 2008, where we've been living since. Mm-hmm. So okay. I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, well, I don't even know what the question should be because, I mean, I say, where are you from? But that suggests like one single geographic point, right? But, I mean, you've... You've got points all over. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, certainly, I don't feel a huge sense of belonging to any of those places that I just mentioned. Okay, thank you. And sitting next to Shiva is Nikki. Hi, Nikki Jafardi. Hi. Nikki's been on the show before. Nikki, why don't you tell us first of all why? Just briefly, why did you come on the show last time? Um, I think I've, once we were here for the Mass on concert that was coming. Yeah. And I think once over the trade show we were having. Uh, I'm not mistaken. Well, we certainly we certainly mentioned the trade show. You've got an Iranian trade show coming up. Your, your third, your second. Yes, third. Okay, and and the thing I think that we've invited you on was this uh, this group, Mastan Ensemble. Concert, yes. Yeah, a huge Iranian group that travels all over North America except Halifax until. <laughs> Why did they decide to come to Halifax? Nikki? Well, they do. Um, they alternate. One year they do North America, and one they one year they do Europe. And um, last year, uh, December last year, they were going to do their North America tour, and um, we uh, we called them up and asked them to see if they would join and at Halifax at our North America tour, and they grac- gracefully accepted, and they were here last year, and we had a really great event. We had a really good turnout, and a lot of people requested that we bring them back, mm-hmm. and we contacted them, and they were willing to come back. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they'll be here again in 2013. They're willing to come back. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they'll be here again in 2013. Well, they liked Halifax so much that they're they coming did. back? They did. Actually, it's so... Um, I guess it's such a compliment because normally they say that if they ever go to small cities, they only go once just for the publicity and then it's over. Right. But they t- said Halifax would be the only city they'd be willing to come back to. And they normally, they're only in Canada 
three of the uh, of the month only three Saturdays and four Sundays. Mm-hmm. So they give the bigger cities the Saturdays and the smaller cities a Sunday. Mm-hmm. So when we called them and said, you know, we really can't do a Sunday because there's so many people in the outskirts, like and also like in PEI and New Brunswick that want to come and Saturdays not accommodating. They actually were willing to switch Montreal and us and gave us the Saturday and <laughs> gave Montreal the Sunday. Take that Montreal. And I know they've got a big Iranian <laughs> community there. All right, thanks. Yeah, so that was quite the compliment. <laughs> All right, thank you, Nikki. And then way over on the other side of the studio, on the extra mic, we have Nicoletta Bocalis. Did I say your name right? Bocalis, yeah. I'm sorry. Hi, Nicoletta. Can you tell us tell us a little bit about where you feel like you may be, where you're from? Or? Sure. Well, I was born here in Halifax. Uh, my parents were both born in Greece. Uh, they immigrated to Canada when they were both young children. Uh, so my father was eight and my mother was five. Mm-hmm. So we ended up um, growing up uh, all, all together speaking English at home. Mm-hmm and primarily Greek to our grandparents and our aunts and uncles. So it was a really nice mix. Okay, and that's terrific. And now um, we just heard a report from the Lebanese Festival, which I think might be, or sorry, the Cedar Festival, I should say, which I think is one of the first multicultural festivals of the summer here in Halifax. But, of course, we've got another one coming up, haven't we? Uh, sure do. Yeah. The Greek Festival is on this weekend. It started yesterday, and it ends on Sunday. Yeah. So it's packed with food and dancing and music and a lot of church tours and just really, really culturally rich. So if anybody has a chance to go down and and uh, really savor all of Greek culture, that's mm-hmm. the place to do it. Yeah, and of course, I mean, that just goes beyond multicultural festival as far as Halifax goes, doesn't it? I mean, Absolutely. it's like, I think it must have been one of the first and one of the biggest. It's become an institution like the tattoo or... Really <laughs> yeah. Really yeah, come to Nova Scotia for uh, Greek Festival and uh, Mastan Ensemble. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, uh, the three of you, for coming in. I know we haven't got the most balanced uh, panel in terms of n- you know nationalities and regions of the world uh, uh, represented, but I know you've all got very interesting things to say. And I want to start off with... Um, I guess I want to, you know, an idea that came to me as I was listening to the report from the Cedar Festival, and uh, which is like this whole idea of the hyphenated Canadian, which has become a, I mean, we've called this show the hyphenated Canadian, but in some ways it's a little bit of a cliche now because, I mean, you can have people with more than one hyphen. In fact, we've got some of you represented here. Do you guys, I mean, you all have connections with other countries. Do you see yourselves as hyphenated or, you know, when people ask you where you're from, as I just did, well, how, how do you explain yourself to other people? Can I start with you, Shiva? Um, well, when people ask me when I'm from, where I'm from, I just give them the little blurb that I gave you, and I leave it up to them to decide where I'm from and how to treat me accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... Even when I lived in Iran, I worked for an international agency, so... Um, and I don't know, I never... And because of the years of my childhood and adolescence that I'd spent in Britain, it meant that I had missed out on a lot of uh, popular culture in Iran, just the teenage culture growing up as well. And Mm -hmm. so uh, I never really uh, felt at home in the sense of, you know, having that kind of uh, connection with childhood friends and teenage teenage friends that Mm -hmm. many people I know do have. Um, I, I, I... try to think of myself as a citizen of the world, I guess. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I do realize that that's a privilege brought on by having like a British education and good language skills, mm-hmm. really, that uh, it's almost it's hypocrisy to speak of citizen of a world in a way, uh, because the ability and pretty much takes in every hyphen you can think of, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. 
Um, I certainly don't think of myself as a Canadian, for mm. sure. I mean, uh, I've only been here for four years. I'm not even legally a Canadian yet. I'm a landed immigrant. So okay, but you're not. Ill- yeah, right. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, I'm not illegally. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, you are allowed to be here yeah, with us am, today. We're not going to expect the police. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, but no, I meant I'm not a Canadian citizen. I understand. Yeah, and and I don't feel so attached to Halifax that if I had or if I had to go. F- to other places for jobs, etc., that I wouldn't go. So mm-hmm. there's that. Having said that, I love Halifax. I love the feeling mm-hmm. of security, and I love the fact that there's so much going on. And mm-hmm. uh, if you so choose, I live on Quimpool, and if you so choose, you can just walk out of your house, and you mm-hmm. know there are like bars and music and so on. So, so it'd be fair that. to say that if you don't necessarily identify with Canada, you also don't identify with Iran. No, that's mm-hmm. true. That that yeah. it, it would be true to say okay. that. So yeah. really, we need a different kind of punctuation mark to. To, to describe somebody like you, I think. I guess. Or maybe we should just stop thinking of people in terms of their nationalities. I mean, that could be another groundbreaking idea, you know, Good. <laughs> that we stop, like, labeling people uh, as, you know, mentally. It's like until we know where they're from, we can't mm. really deal with them. You yeah. know, we have to know where they're from, and then we adapt our conversation accordingly. Yeah. And yeah. I do that. I, I mean, if I, I, I find my, my behavior changing if I know I'm talking to an Iranian or yeah. a, or a native-born Canadian, and, you know, maybe it's time that we try to think beyond those labels, really. Okay, great. All right. Well, um, well, we'll stick with them just for the first set of questions, and then and then we will try and go beyond them, Shiva. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. I, absolutely. I mean, this is this gets to the heart of the whole yeah. question. At the yeah. end of the program, we'll be hearing from uh, Neil Basundath, the writer, who pretty much started this whole debate in Canada yeah. about 15 years ago, and he's certainly got something to say on that <laughs> subject. But first of all, let's talk about the little daily things. Nikki, can you tell me, do you go about your daily life as you're calling up musicians in Tehran or <laughs> selling real estate. Do you do you think of yourself as a hyphenated Canadian or Well, that's a that's a kind of interesting question because my answer would have been very different a few years ago than it would be right now. Yeah. I was born in Iran when I was 2 I left and went to Turkey and then when I was 10 I came to Canada. And up to a few years ago, I I pretty much did see myself merely mostly just Canadian because I grew up here. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I've traveled a lot of the parts of pretty much all of Canada and a lot of the US and there's no place like Earth that I will feel like home, like Halifax. It really does feel like home. If I'm away for more than a few days, I really get homesick for it. I really love Halifax. It's, to me, the best place on Earth to live. But having said that, when I'm in the Iranian uh, surrounding, or I, I've, in the last few years, been around a lot more Iranian people, found a lot more about Iran, more about the culture, this history. And I, I would lie to you if I didn't feel a sense of connection to mm-hmm. it, and, and mm-hmm. I, I feel a part of it. And when I'm in that culture, I feel very much Iranian and very much proud to be a part of it. Yeah. But at the same time, I have a strong tie to the Turkish community because I speak the language, and and, and I when I'm with them, I feel very Turkish, and I feel very proud to be a part of that, and I yeah. have such a great time. So, I mean, it's hard to say where am I where am I from because I kind of feel connected to all of it. But where would I consider home? It would be Halifax. Okay, that's really interesting. So it's not really a question of your name or your identity; it's it's where you feel at home. Yeah, they say home is where the heart is, sure. right? So. To me right now, there's, mm-hmm. since my heart's here, even though my entire family lives in Toronto and I go home, I go to Toronto every two, three months, when I refer to home, I yeah. think of Halifax. So when we're at a party or something and we meet somebody and, and instead of asking them, well, where are you from? We should actually say, where's your heart? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. I mean that seriously. <laughs> but you know what? Like I do, do it a lot in my work. I used to meet people and most of the times when you fill an application for them, they're generations of more or less 
born and raised in the same place. Yeah. But almost very rarely now you meet someone that was born and raised in the same place. People mm-hmm. travel. The, the world's become so much smaller. People are marrying into a lot of uh, interracial marriages and relationships. So life is becoming so much more diverse. Mm-hmm. And it's so rare that you find someone that says, this is where I'm from. You can say, mm-hmm. I always say, like, maybe where's, what's your background or where's your roots? And then maybe that would be a little bit easier way to narrow it down. But mm-hmm. where you're from, I really think where you're from is where your heart is. Great. Okay, Nicoletta, do you, do you feel the same way? I do. I, uh, I consider myself Greek-Canadian. Mm-hmm. I was born, as I said, in Halifax, but I have strong ties and my roots are, are Greek. And so yeah. uh, we try to speak Greek to our children as, as much as we can. They, yeah. they attend Greek school. And yeah. um, it's really, really important for us to, to raise them with that in mind. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my dad was the president of the Multicultural Association of, of Nova Scotia over 20 years ago. And so I, I remember him always really, I mean, he'd have a really interesting conversation, I think, with Neil, to be honest, yeah. because his, <laughs> his reflection and his feeling on multiculturalism was very, very strong, and that it can be maintained and, yeah. and really showcased. So, uh, yeah. All right. Let, let's, let's talk about some of the things that make you feel like you are in connection with that other culture, and you just mentioned talking Greek. Why, why is it such a big deal to talk in Greek? Because, I mean, you're talking, whether you're talking of, in Greek or in English about the weather, it's still the weather that you're talking about, right? Or, or telling your kids to eat up their meal or something. Why does it matter what words you choose to use? Well, I think knowing other languages is a bonus and a plus in any situation. Mm-hmm. But, but specifically, if you have a personal connection and, and that's where your ancestors are from, there's, there's a sense of pride that comes with it. Mm-hmm. I know for me, I feel really, really proud when my children can speak to me in Greek and they can show me a Greek dance or they're, they're able to communicate with their relatives in Greek that mm-hmm. really can't speak English very well. And, and so really, language then is the tie that binds. So for, mm-hmm. for us, it's extremely important. I can't say I've done an excellent job of, of, of always speaking to my children in Greek. Well, why not? Where were you? I mean, it comes naturally to you, doesn't it? It does come naturally to me, but we live in Canada, and, and in Halifax specifically, our, our mother tongue is English, and we communicate with our coworkers and our, our uh, superiors in, in English constantly, so, so that's the language that I, I'm most comfortable in. Yeah. Uh, I am fluent in Greek, and I, I was just telling you, Conrad, before that, before my children were born, I told myself that I was going to only speak to them in Greek because I knew that they would, they would learn English yeah. in, in society. But I haven't kept up my end of the bargain, and I feel really, really guilty about that. So Greek schools come in really handy for us. <laughs> Every single week, we sit down at the dinner table and, and make a rule. Okay, that's it. Only Spanish at the dinner table. And within a day, no, nah, less than a day, by the time we get around to dessert, the, the, the rule has been forgotten. And I don't understand why, because, you know, it's our house. We're, we're, you know, we create the rules in that house. Why do we keep losing that? Shiva, I know you've got... We had the same rule, like only Iranian, only Persian on the weekends. Uh, we, uh, I speak with the, uh, the kids, we both of us speak um, Farsi to our children. Uh, we never, or now perhaps a bit more English has crept in, but the main language that I, I use to communicate with them is Farsi. But they don't speak Farsi back to me. They speak English. They understand it, and they communicate regularly with relatives in Iranian uh, mm-hmm. through video chats and so on. And we visit. We visited at least four times. So they have a very strong sense of Iran and Farsi and and speaking in Persian and so on. I like speaking Persian with them. It's like our secret language, and it means we can curse and swear at pass- <laughs> passers-by <laughs> when we're out together and they do something annoying. We can... <laughs> 
say nasty things to them in Farsi while pretending we're being very polite and very respectful. <laughs> so, so that's fun. Do you do, do that a lot, Shiva? <laughs> we do. Well, no, we don't do it a lot, but sometimes it becomes necessary. So, <laughs> Mickey, what, what's your preferred language? Um, or do you have different language for different days? Uh, up until a few years ago, my Farsi was fairly weak. But now it's improved quite a bit. So I can um, have a really strong, good conversation in Farsi as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Turkish is still getting there, but I can carry a conversation in Turkish as well and mm-hmm. English. But I find that the better, the more I improve on the other two languages, the worse my English is getting. I have no idea why, but <laughs> I find the last year or two my grammar is slipping and I'm... I'm having a hard time coming up with words, and I get stuck. So, because I, I, in different languages, you think in one language, but you speak in a different language, and then you kind of you translate it. Yeah. So, like, I think in English, and I want to say something in Farsi, but then it comes up all weird. Or yeah. Oh yeah, that words, happens so to so me. It's kind of hard juggling. Yeah. If, if you have more than one language, but you use it once in a while, it's yeah. not as bad. But when you use three languages on a day-to-day basis, yeah. it does get a little bit mumbled. And, and I find yeah. a lot of people that knew me before, they've all said that my English has gone a lot worse. My vocabulary. <laughs> gone. Uh, I use a, a lot more basic vocabulary. I, I, do, I hardly use any big fancy words anymore, which is really odd, but you know, it's, it's got a little side effect that way. Yeah. But um, it's funny, like for example, when you think of a language like, like English, you say love, and that, that there's just no other word to say love, right? You, you can love your dog, you can love a hot dog, you can love your mom, you can love your partner, right? Mm-hmm. It's just love. But when you go into, for example, Middle Eastern languages, there is a billion ways to say love. And every one of them has a different level, different depth, means something totally different. Mm-hmm. So I find like in a lot of the Middle East languages, when you translate their love songs, it sounds really very normal in English. But mm-hmm. then when you listen to it in its own native language, it's totally different. Like okay. even Rumi songs, when yeah. you translate Rumi is them, the, the poetry of... The poetry. Um, when you read the translations, yeah, or when I can't read Farsi myself, but when someone reads it to me, I sa- I find it sounds so different. And so, I mean, some things are really nice in its own original language. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if I if I'm I find if I'm upset or if I'm like in a very serious conversation, I, I just switch to English. It seems to be the ma- the most comfortable language for me to speak. <laughs> Nicoletta, which language do you prefer to swear in? <laughs> oh, that's tricky. I'm I'm a little bit like Shiva. I, yeah. I sometimes will use a, a talk to my children in Greek and think that nobody understands, but I really have to watch myself because we have a large Greek community here. So. Seriously. I mean, yeah. at school, I mean, I, I remember in grade seven, we had a bunch of Greek friends, and, and all of us, all of us could swear in Greek. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only thing we could say. You're right about that. But they say you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, and it's so true. These days, you honestly have no idea what anyone speaks. Like, yeah. I speak Turkish, but I don't look Turkish, so I was yeah. at a function. There was two uh, Turkish guys. They were saying some not very appropriate stuff and they were carrying a conversation back and forth and had no idea that I could understand what they're saying and then at the end when I was leaving I just said to them goodbye and have a nice day in Turkish and oh my god they turned red and purple and they were so flustered and I ended up seeing them at the end of the Turkish function later and they're trying to avoid eye contact with all means but so you just never know the person next to you there's a clip on YouTube I saw there was a, a person that was African American but he spoke fluent Farsi so he was sitting yeah. on a bench and then this girl's going on and on about him and then some racist comments some really not nice comments and all of a sudden he turns have <laughs> yeah. you seen it no no and then he turns to her and starts speaking in farsi and she just about just like you know Dies. falls off the chair right? <laughs> yeah. so you just don't know because people travel so much people are exposed to so much you just don't know what they understand and they it's don't it's interesting you say that i have found in nova scotia not so much in halifax but i have come across some more so these days uh 
native-born Canadians who've never traveled, and it never fails to freak me out because, uh, it, I mean, I know there are Canadians who've been traveling a lot since high school and university, and they've been to all sorts of places, and they've done all sorts of things, Korea, Japan. We were saying with a colleague today, it's like the world is their playground, African countries, Europe, and so on. And then, but then you come across Canadians also, sometimes from like more rural areas or not so urban areas, and they say, "No, I've never been a plane. I really don't. I've never been on a plane, and I never felt the need to." And you know, they stare at me in amazement. It's happened to me that, wow, I, uh, why, why, why do you feel you need to travel? What, what is? So I, I don't know whether that's a thing for Nova Scotia because I understand it is a more like conservative with a small C, if I may say province compared to maybe you don't see as much of that in Toronto or Vancouver but certainly here I have come across people who've never traveled. Do you, do you find that Nicoletta I mean you, you're pretty involved with the Greek fest you've got a child performing? On the- I do my eight-year-old little girl is going to be dancing her first uh, Greek festival so she's very very uh-huh. excited and she's told all of her friends when <laughs> she's dancing and uh, they're very excited which is really really nice to see so. Now, are the friends that she tells, are they Greek or are they Nova they're Scotian? Not. They're, they're not. They're at her French school, and, uh, <laughs> but they're very, very intrigued and very, yeah. very interested. And uh, they want to know all about the Greek dancing and, and all the intricate steps involved. And, and so it's, she's very, very proud of that. I'm really seeing it this year. Yeah. Do, you, do you think something like the Greek Fest is enough? For, for those Nova Scotians among us who haven't really had the chance to travel, do you think going to something like the Greek Fest is enough, is a way of sort of, you know, traveling vicariously? The Greek festival gives you a really, really good introduction, mm-hmm. but it's not the same as, as being in Greece. Really, in terms of, you'll, you'll just get a little taste of, of mm-hmm. what it's like. So mm-hmm. that the dancing and the uh, roasted lamb and all of the things that are associated with, with the Greek culture church tours of course mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you'll get a really a really great little glimpse yeah. but it doesn't take the place of traveling to Greece and yeah. seeing all of its beauty and its history so um, you know it, it's a wonderful experience I think for both Greeks and non-Greeks in Nova Scotia to be able to participate in this but uh, I would absolutely recommend it <laughs> well who would yeah. <laughs> yeah sure um, uh, well I mean when I was at the we heard, just heard now the report from the, the, the Cedar Festival I mean I tried to do this thing which is which is very very Middle Eastern the, I think they they call it the Zagarit the, the sort of the the, you, yeah. the warbling with your tongue which oh. I'm not even going to attempt right now but we heard a recording of me failing miserably Natasha did much better than I did. But, I mean, even if I'd practiced it, you know what I mean, right? That sort of warbling noise that you make of happiness and jubilation. Even if I practiced it, it it still wouldn't mean the same thing as if somebody from the culture did it, right? It would just be me imitating the culture. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we've talked about the sort of cultural interchange and none of us is really, you know, what we look like. But there is this sort of core there, isn't there, that something, some kind of connection makes you something and... And the rest of us just sort of have to stand on the outside and, and look at it? Um, because I grew up in Toronto, I remember when we used to go to high school, you pretty much traveled the world just by going to school because you would have friends from all walks of life. You would go to their house and you would have be exposed to all kinds of different food and music mm-hmm. and culture. Mm-hmm. So when you come to this place like Halifax, we have a multicultural festival that's just you know a three-day festival and it's over. A few little events here and there, but it's not as much. But I find over the last few years, it has become definitely a lot more multicultural, but yeah. um, 
some of the the huge difference like i find for almost most middle east families they take care of their kid till like pr- pretty much he's like 60 or 70 he's still like a responsibility of the parent right so when they're in school like they pay most of them pay for their education their house of living if they're married in the beginning of the stages like they help with the home the the whole works like for the lo- till the kid is really off on their own feet mm-hmm. the parents have such a support and they they really encourage the education they really encourage the traveling but for most of us that grew up here by the time we're 18 we move out most of us pay for our own schooling we we work since we can you know we open our eyes Canadians we Canadian born people we Canadian born people yeah. and then we, we when we are done school or we start work we already have a huge debt to start with then we start getting into a house that you know we we end yeah. up having another mortgage debt to to combine that so by the time life kicks in most people are just so busy managing the day to day expenses of just living doesn't really leave a lot of time and money to just go exploring the world whereas if you have things a little bit easier mm. and you're before you even get all those obligations you've already had so much time and opportunity to travel mm-hmm. so you know i think i don't think necessarily that if if I hadn't given the right opportunity and and times and maybe a lot of the the maritimers would have loved to travel as well because i i see a lot of people again through my work that you know that they they say oh I would love to go do this and I would love to go do this but mm-hmm. then they have all these debts and they're like oh well maybe once I get this out of the way then I'll go do this mm-hmm. yeah in some ways i guess people from other countries are privileged in that sense aren't they they've, they've been able to come from other countries shiva is it is it difficult for you to maintain the 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 well i mean you're not really you don't consider yourself hyphened or Iranian yeah. this or Iranian that but i mean well there are certain things which are certainly add to the challenge of the daily uh, living experience i mean things like vacationing when my daughter questions me that all her friends go to disneyland for example to vacation and or hawaii like the more uh, privileged ones or whatever or or florida um, like we go to iran every time like isn't there any other why do we keep having to go to iran and and, and not and she enjoys it we go and she has a wonderful time she spoiled she she's spoiled and petted by family and so on but uh, certainly she uh, and even and my son now too they have this sense that they're not the same as their canadian friends simply because of the way we travel and the way they travel is just so different <laughs> like we have different vacation patterns so that's one really challenge tricky. of our lives <laughs> Go, go ahead Nicoletta. Yeah. It's really tricky for children. I remember feeling that I I wanted to be the same actually as everybody yeah. else, but I still felt a secret pride for for yeah. where my family came from. And it took me a long time I think before I could I could really uh feel pro- proud enough that I could share those experiences of of my own culture with my friends. And so I think it's sort of a natural uh cycle for children to go through where where yeah. they really want to feel truly truly part of the core group and that yeah. they don't want to appear different in any way in terms of language or appearance or or culture. Um and and it takes them a long time I think to embrace it. And then yeah. once they do, they're they're they wish they had done it sooner. I I know I did. Yeah. Well that well that's the problem though isn't it because you know that they're going to wish that they did and 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 they're going to wish that they'd spoken yeah. Spanish or Greek or or, yeah. or Parsi at the dinner table and they didn't and until they get to 20. <laughs> <laughs> But I think it's part of their journey to be honest. <laughs> uh, you know it's it's yeah. sort of part of the cycle. The multicultural yeah. journey. That's well right. look we've uh, we've mentioned several times that we got a, an interview coming up with uh, the writer Neil Basundeth and he's sort of looming large over this whole conversation because he really did begin the debate um back in 1994 when he wrote a book that basically attacked um what the rest of Canada pretty much took to be a fundamental principle of of ours which is multiculturalism. 
In his book, Selling Illusions, The Cult of Multiculturalism in Canada, Basundath, himself an immigrant from Trinidad, he said that it was more important for immigrants to celebrate the culture of their adopted country than try to nurture a memory of what they'd left behind. Putting a hyphen into our identities, he said, splinters us into exotic subgroups that would never intermingle. Well, now, Basundath rarely gives media interviews on this subject. Uh, He prefers to focus on his novels, many of which actually deal with subjects of race, identity, and origin. But we're proud to say that he agreed to speak with New Roots, New, New, New Roots radio reporter Natasha Lipney for this special program on the hyphenated Canadian. Here's that interview now. So first of all, um, I attended a Lebanese festival this past weekend in Halifax. It had the theme of Lebanese with a Canadian twist. Some people there considered themselves Canadians first, while others Lebanese. But in all, they really seem to embrace um, being hyphenated Canadians. So why then do you see hyphenation of culture as negative? Well, it's not that I see hyphenation of culture as negative. It's that I see hyphenation of culture when it comes to people as being meaningless. Um, You know, um, I uh, I look at myself. Okay, let's start with myself. I, I was born in Trinidad, grew up in Trinidad, left at the age of 18. Um, I've been living in Canada ever since. Um, English Canada, Toronto at first, then Montreal, now Quebec City for, oh, 16 years or so. At this point, should I be referring to myself as being a Trinidadian Canadian when I haven't been to Trinidad in, oh, since 1984, um, when I have no idea of what's happening in Trinidad? Very little interest as well. I mean, at this point, after all of this time in this country, I consider myself to be purely Canadian um, and fully involved in life in Canada and the life that this country has allowed me to live. So the Trinidad is part of my past. So to, to call myself Trinidadian Canadian is utterly meaningless. And I think that as you, as you go on with generations, it becomes even more meaningless as time goes along. You know, I, I, I know people in Toronto who will say to me, oh, I'm Italian. Uh, oh, you've been to Italy? No. Oh, you speak Italian? No. Um, your link to it- Italy is, well, my grandparents. How does that make you Italian? And, um, you know, and then I, let's, let's take it one step further. I look at uh, my daughter, Elisa, um, whose mother is, is um, French-Canadian, Quebecoise, from Quebec City. And I look at her incredibly complex um, makeup. I mean, this, there's this father with an Indian background from India who grew up in the Caribbean, who moved to Canada, a mother who grew up in Quebec, has lived elsewhere. How many uh, hyphens does my daughter need? And her boyfriend now is French-Canadian, but with, um, with Acadian background. And the, the number of hyphens that her kids would need, they would need a page, a page just to describe themselves. So it seems to me that all of this becomes meaningless over time. And, and it becomes a kind of a game, a kind of theater that people play with themselves. Is there such thing as a hyphenated Trinidadian? No. So in, Trin- in Trinidad, do, does, does such uh, hyphenation exist? No, hyphenation didn't exist when I was in Trinidad. I don't think it, 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 it exists even today, as far as I know. As I said, I really have lost touch with what's happening there. But in Trinidad, there were other divisions. The divisions were racial. The religions, the, the divisions were um, religious. Um, it, was, it is a very multicultural place in a certain way in that you've got people who came from different parts of the world, first Africans who arrived as slaves, then Chinese who arrived as indentured servants, followed by Indians, 
and of course the various people from the various colonial um, countries as well. So you've got people of all different colors and different religions. But when I was growing up in Trinidad, and this is certainly was back then, I don't know about today, the divisions were, were clear. I mean, you know, at school, uh, in high school, I had friends of all different races and religions, um, um, whites, Chinese, blacks, um, Muslims. But we never invited each other to our homes. We were, it, it was understood that you didn't do that. It was understood that as an Indian family, we didn't invite blacks. And my, my black friends, it was understood that as blacks, they didn't invite Indians. It was understood that uh, my family as a Hindu family doesn't, didn't really invite Muslims to their home. So th these divisions were there to begin with. Um, but Trinidad, of course, is a particular kind of case back then. Um, uh, a colonial society that never gelled. And, um, right. and, and it seems to me that the, the, the Canadian hyphen um, is also a, a sign of people who don't want to gel into something different. Right. So you, you keep mentioning uh, these weaknesses with the Multiculturalism Act in its, its foundation, mm -hmm. its goals, its manifestation. At the same time in your book, you, um, you describe this profound impact that it has on immigrants' identities. So how is it both meek and powerful simultaneously? Well, it can have an effect on, on immigrant um, identities if you allow it to do so. Um, I think it's, it's given a lot of people a certain simplistic way of thinking about themselves. Um, this thing of, you know, I'm Greek, or I'm Indian, or I'm, I'm Portuguese, whereas your link is, is, is purely, it's, it's, what's the word? I mean, you know, I could say, at the same, in the same spirit, I could say, well, I'm a caveman. Um, it, it fails to recognize the, the evolution that I was just talking about. So I, th I think that what multiculturalism has done is, it, it when, especially when people are young and looking for their identities, it's given them a very simplistic way of thinking of themselves and thinking of their, their families and their place in the world and the changes that immigration has based in the world and the changes that immigration has brought to them. It's very simplistic. But then what I've found is as people get older and they recognize themselves more as individuals, they begin to question the simplicity of the multicultural um, of the multicultural identity. Um, they realize that they are far more complex and far more interesting, in fact, than the multicultural policies um, was pre were, were preaching. And I think that's part of the reason that um, official multiculturalism as such is beginning to disappear. You do realize that we have a federal government now and even provincial governments who hardly ever talk about it. Um, it's become a little bit of an embarrassment. And um, I think that's a recognition that um, it's a policy that uh, was brought in for particular political reasons and uh, has re have really failed to serve the country properly. And I think we have to get back to something. But I think, yes, again, uh, it, it's part of, ch of change. I think I'm seeing people and I'm hearing from a lot of people still. I still get emails and letters and run into people in the most unexpected places who tell me that they, they, the book Selling Illusions spoke to them. And it spoke to them in ways that um, I never expected, but I, 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 I certainly am very grateful for, in that it, it caused them to look at themselves. Who am I, really? Not who the government tells me I should be, not this hyphen that some government program is giving me, but who am I really? And what have I become? And how have I, how have I become the person that I, that I am? And they come to the conclusion that they're Canadian. And most of these people, quite frankly, realize that they, they, they multicultural hyphen 
it's a little bit of nonsense. Okay, and going on this thread about uh, multiculturalism promoting a, a simplistic view of, of someone's identity mm-hmm. and someone's culture, um, you, you argue that the, the current multicultural model in Canada, or at least as it stood when Selling Illusions was published, mm-hmm. um, only encourages an understanding of culture at the very superficial level. Yes. Um, you wrote one that promotes tolerance as opposed to acceptance. So how do you propose Canadians move towards a level of understanding that encourages acceptance? Well, I think it, it, the way that we do in all, all of our lives, I think we do that all the time. Um, this has nothing to do with multiculturalism. Um, you know, when we travel or when we meet strangers, we meet new neighbors, we run into new people at school, How do what do we do? Do we tolerate them or do we get to know them? Um, you know, when you first go away to university, you meet strangers, you're surrounded by strangers. And then slowly you begin meeting people and you don't put up with them. You start asking questions. You say, let's go have a coffee. You start uh, exchanging experiences you discover that despite all the apparent differences which we're supposed to celebrate according to multiculturalism, such as religious differences, racial differences, color differences, political differences, even that there are other things more important that make us, that draw us together. You know, I've got friends here in Quebec City who are longtime separatists. They're very close friends. I am not a separatist by any means. But that has nothing to do with the fact that we all enjoy traveling. We all enjoy red wine. We love sitting around and laughing together and telling each other's jokes. So all of those differences are there. So, I mean, that is how, that is, that is to me what acceptance is all about, that despite the differences, you discover the, the humanity in the next person, and it's something that we do all the time in every sphere of life at work. Um, so I don't think it has anything to do with multiculturalism, and that was part of the problem with, with the whole thing of tolerance as well. To tolerate someone is to put up with them to shrug, to turn your back, to just not hurt them. But to accept someone, which is what we do in our lives all the time, is far more demanding, but also far more interesting. Well said. Is there anything you'd like to add? Um, I think we've covered so much ground that I just, no, I, I, let's see. I would say that in the end, I think people just should really concentrate on who they are as individuals. And knowing who you are as an individual, recognizing that you are inevitably going to change, recognizing that um, the whole question of who am I is really a a question about evolution, that the I that you are today will not be the I that you will be in five years. Accepting that that about yourself and about the people around you. And that was writer Neil Basundith uh, talking to New Roots Radio reporter Natasha Litney. And just a little bit of our uh, theme music um, <laughs> that got stuck on there accidentally at the end. Well, we were actually going to listen to the music uh, right now um, and keep the conversation fairly light. And uh, But uh, I've noticed that some people in the studio right now are kind of itching to respond to Mr. Basunda. So would anybody like to jump in there? Nicoletta, did you? Um, you know, I understand some of his fundamental points. I think that when people immigrate to Canada, they really need to sort of embrace uh, the, the laws and the policies of Canada. And I think if, if they go above and beyond that in the name of multiculturalism, that's when there is an issue. Uh, but I don't believe that there's anything wrong with uh, really sort of feeling pride of, of where you come from and wanting to um, show that to your family and your friends and, and sort of uh, really, really feel that that you have that strong connection with another place 
And uh, so I understand some of his points, but I, I don't know that I agree wholeheartedly with him. Yeah. I mean, you did say at the beginning of the program you are Greek-Canadian. I am. And that doesn't mean that you think that your Greekness takes precedence over No, your not Canadian. at all. Yeah. Not at all. I'm very, very proud to be Canadian. Yeah. I'm also very, very proud of my heritage yeah. and my ancestry. So, yeah. um, and, and I think it's very, very possible in a country like Canada to live both. Right. Okay. Shiva, what would you like to say about that? Um, yeah, I want to echo what Nicoletta says. And at the end of the day, there, I, I dislike prescriptive dictates anyway that you should not consider yourself so and so yeah. you should consider, whether it comes from a, the government or an author or a thinker. Um, if somebody feels proud of their Italian ancestry or whatever, then, you know, who's who? nobody had. I mean, that's why he came to Canada, to have the freedom to... Embrace that, and nobody mm -hmm. should tell him, no, that's how you should feel. And if you don't feel interested in Trinidadian politics after 20 years, that's your prerogative. Mm -hmm. But there may be other uh, Trinidadians who do feel interested, and there is nothing wrong with that per se. I mean, there are plenty of Canadians who are interested in politics in all over the world. I mean, yeah. that does not necessarily... Uh, d so uh, I think um, one point that I want to make is that I think he is almost... Uh, Re, uh, reverberating the Quebecois inter interculturalism. I, I understand, and there's a whole body of academic work on this subject, which is not my field. Yeah, unless you can summarize it in 10 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the Quebecois government as such rejects multiculturalism yeah, yeah, and has yeah, yeah, a yeah. And I think he is just kind of putting that in English for the masses. Yeah, we, I, he actually did respond to that, and we, we, we left it out because we were right. afraid of opening too large a can of worms. <laughs> You're quite right, though, yes. I mean, that's that's sort of where he's coming from. But he did say, I thought, I was surprised that you didn't agree with him more because he talked about us being individuals before being that, part of a group. And I thought so that kind of connected to your sort of idea of being the global citizen and not really worrying about labels. It is true. I, do, I think we do not, we should not worry about labels, but I also think... I mean, we can't, uh, we, we, it's almost as if looking at the cart before the horse, uh, there is institutionalized racism in Canada as in many other places of the world. There are studies which go on. So why do these hyphens come about? I mean, it's not because of the hyphens that the racism and discrimination exist, right? The, the racism and discrimination is there. There are studies which talk to it. And because of that, the hyphens come about. So... There's no point in saying, well, immigrants should stop using hyphens when they or when there is already this exclusion, discrimination, racism, which uh, which is part of the lived experience. So uh, in a sense, I feel that he's almost putting the burden once more on the immigrant mm. in. Well, it's up to you to assimilate it. And if you haven't done so, it's probably your fault because you've kept the hyphen in your name or whatever. Yeah. Whereas. In fact, you know, there, and, and yeah, there are studies which show that there is a still a great deal of institutionalized racism, mm -hmm. discrimination, and and the hyphens are a token of that, not they're a symptom of that. They're not a cause of it. In okay. other words, that, that's my take on it. No, thank you, Shiva and Nikki. Now you're you're one of these ones that has well, I mean, you can quite fill a page with your hyphens, <laughs> but you're you're fairly complicated. No. Well, Go ahead. listening to him, well, before I heard him speak, I did, had a a bit of a different perception from what we had just spoken before. But mm -hmm. hearing him speak, I find there's a lot of merit to what he says. But mm -hmm. the, the one thing to keep in mind is when people immigrate, everyone immigrates for a different reason. Some fear, they, they may love their culture, they immigrate for safety. Some is yeah. for a better opportunity for their kids. Some many, 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 many reasons could be why they're here in Canada. So 
and because of the different reasons may may elevate a different level of attachment to their original countries mm-hmm. but i find as long as you're here and you're totally embracing yourself in the canadian culture you're a contributing member of your society and you're you're giving it all you have and then you have a a, a sense of belonging to somewhere else may not necessarily be a bad thing but like you kind of get the best of all worlds right so i take some some of my, the iranian cultures from the turkish cultures from the canadian culture i mix it all together and mm-hmm. now i'm a very multicultural person all in one and in, yeah. in a, a one-man one man show but yeah. you you don't necessarily have to say I'm Iranian so I have to do everything Iranians do or mm-hmm. or Turkish or Canadian or, or Greek or anything else right so and and uh, there's a lot of cultures who influence me who I, I've never even seen mm-hmm. so I, I have cl- I've had cl- friends that were maybe for example from another culture I saw something about in their home that I really loved and said oh I would like to incorporate that into my life yeah. so just being from that country gives it a little bit of extra sense of pride per se attached mm-hmm. to it as well but you we are a mosaic world and you can get influenced by all walks of life and you can have sentimental values and attachments to different you may so I have friends that have traveled to a part of the world that just fell so in love with it and they have such a sense of attachment to that part of the world now mm-hmm. so i think multiculturalism is something again where the heart is right so mm-hmm. but as long as you're part of the society you blend in with your society you're a contributing member you don't discriminate and you don't say well i i won't talk to so and so and i won't you know go to so and so and you're all part of one big greater family mm-hmm. and and we all bring different aspects to it just just in fairness to, to Mr. Basundath, who isn't here to defend himself. <laughs> now, I guess I can understand why he doesn't like to talk to the media if he gets so many, because it stirs up so many uh, opposite opinions. I think his main problem is with official multiculturalism, where you are actually sponsored or you are considered by the government to be a, a hyphenated Canadian. I think he would actually say that, yeah, you can call yourself whatever you want, including a caveman. He thinks it's, it might be meaningless, but, I mean, of course, meaning depends on how you choose to live your own life. Let's let, let's end on one. <laughs> there you go, Mr. Pasundith. Um Let's just end on this last question. I, I I completely agree that you can mix and match your cultures, and you can take bits of this and bits of that, and so on, and you can wear earrings from one country and shoes from another, and and talk ten different languages. But at the end of the day, doesn't it all come down to who you're with? When I went to the Cedar Festival, I, mean, I was really really impressed by the fact that. This was a group of people who are amongst their own, and and I love this. This is not a criticism in any way at all, but you could sense that they were able to behave in a way that they might not walking down Spring Garden Road or in Walmart. And it kind of everybody, like to keep these cultures going, don't you have to feed off each other and create these sort of little, little, I mean, you create mosaics, don't you? The little pieces of mosaic. Does anybody want to come at that, or is it too early in the morning to take on that one? No, I I think that you have... There's some merit to that for sure. I I think when you're with people of of the same culture as yourself, you may behave or have conversations that you wouldn't with with others. And and I think it's more of a sense of belonging and and a sense of unity. Well, I mean, I remember in grade seven, George and Evangelo, they had a little club of two, <laughs> and they were the Greeks, and they were also us, but they had their own little, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, isn't else? that kind of like an inside joke? Every family has an inside <laughs> yeah. joke that only they get, right? So a culture is kind of like have their own yeah. inside joke. So when you're with that family, you could act or behave in a certain way and have your own little inside jokes or things that only you guys get. And it's fun, and it's cute, and then it's over, and then you, you're a part of a bigger circle, and... I, I really embrace that, and I like it. I think it, it doesn't take anything away from me being Canadian to yeah. be a part of that as well. Well, because most of the time it's referencing something that only you might know through books or television or just social media. And yeah. and, and unless you're part of that culture, I you wouldn't know 
yeah. you know, what I mean, that's, that's about. that's fair enough, but it's also, I mean, speaking just to the context of Iran, I do feel that I can have freer conversations with Canadian counterparts, for example, about secularism, religion, which I can't have mm-hmm. with Iranian friends because you never know when, like, people are so sensitive I about things that, like, like religion and politics or whatever, and you never know when you might suddenly be drawn into a horrible <laughs> argument <laughs> or horribly offend somebody. Mm-hmm. So at some level, I find myself much freer with when talking with Canadian people, well, some Canadian, some Canadian friends, about certain topics. But then it's true with Iranian topics, I can talk about poetry and... Mm-hmm. and Rumi poetry, yeah. And mm. stuff. Yeah. And, and so. stuff, can we ask what the stuff is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, do you ever get frustrated by... I said it was the last question, but something else occurred to me. Do you ever Do you ever get frustrated by not being able to talk about certain things with people of the other group? When I came back from after living in Mexico for 15 years, I had a very, very different view of the world. And I thought, you know, I came back to my Nova Scotia and I thought, well, this is my native country and all these things I want to talk about. And I couldn't talk about them. I didn't have the words, the experience, like you said, Nicoletta, the points of reference. To th- Do you ever get frustrated by those walls between each piece of the mosaic? Yeah, yeah. I myself know. Well, I find like when you, even Iranians, right? Every generation of Iranian you speak to, they have their own little inside jokes that the other ones don't get. So like the younger generations (laughs) use expressions that, you know, someone else may like, what the heck are you talking about? There's like maybe newer movies that just came out that they haven't seen, so they don't know what the joke's about, right? So I I think it's all in the greater scheme of things. We're all human. We can all find a way to communicate together, reach out together, find a common ground to talk together. So if we look for barriers to divide us, there's always tons to fine but if we look for barriers to unite us there's always tons to find too like when i moved to pei i was 21 i didn't it was the first time i was ever away from toronto and i met this lovely lebanese family which was just down here for the lebanese festival and they really took me in and they taught me uh, belly dancing and, da- and the dubki and then they brought me to the lebanese food and and it was amazing i embraced their culture and their family and it was lovely and maybe uh they weren't iranian maybe they weren't turkish but there were still tons have common grounds to feed on, right? So we, we yeah. could just look for the similarities to build on as opposed to look for the differences to divide us. Yes. Let's end on that point. That was an absolutely wonderful uh, uh, way to bring this show, this episode of New Roots Radio to a close. We've been talking about the hyphenated Canadian here on CKDU 88.1 FM. We were joined by Shiva Nurpana, Nikki right. Jafari, and Nicoletta Bocalis. Vocalist. Vocalist, I'm sorry. I'm giving it the Spanish pronunciation. But that's that's a multicultural world. Okay, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. This has been New Roots Radio on CKDU 88.1 FM. Well, that's all the time we have for New Roots Radio today. Um, I've been your host, Conrad Fox. I will continue to be Conrad Fox, just not hosting anymore. Coming up after this, we have uh, Spanish music in Spanish with uh, Conrado Fox, a distant cousin of mine who speaks a broken Spanish, uh, also joined by uh, La Bonita, Rosie Rodriguez. Uh, that'll be coming up in just two minutes. If you'd like to find out more about New Roots Radio, why don't you check us out online, www.newrootsradio.com. You can hear this and all of our past programs. If you'd like to send us a complaint, a comment or any kind of contribution to the program, give us a line at, um, send us a line at newrootsradio at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Goodbye.